Welcome to this week's episode of the Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence, Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host, Atticus, from St. Nicholas Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Reverend Father Ephraim Abbasi, who will be providing a message from the Gospel of Matthew, where Christ teaches us to be the light of the world. This will be followed by short readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We'll then conclude today's episode with a special talk from a guest speaker. Today, under the blessing of His Eminence, Metropolitan Basilius will talk about the Gospel when Jesus Christ said, You are the light of the world. First, we'll hear the Gospel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord said to His disciples, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. To love the light is a part of human nature. For light was the first thing God introduced into his creation. The first two verses of the Bible proclaim. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. So we can understand that from the beginning, why Jesus Christ said of himself and said to his disciples, I am the light, and you are the light. God saw that the light was good. Light was the first thing that God made and darkness could no longer exist because God flooded it with light. God is good, so everything that he makes is good. He is incapable of mistakes, of lying, of fumbling, of misdirecting, of mismanaging, of failing or putting. This applies to history 
and this applies to us. You are the light of the world, who are his people and his inheritance. For that, when a person comes to Jesus, the light of the world, for the first time in his life, he begins to question and think hard that the light is good. Light is a truth and wisdom. Moses, in the Old Testament, is not just talking about physical light in the book of Genesis. Light is also truth and wisdom. God desires to shine truth into the darkness of ignorance and wisdom in the murk of foolishness. Light also provides guidance and the clarity of vision. For that, this attribute gives us responsibility to direct others to the right path. In the New Testament, Christianity is not a philosophy, a useful way of looking at the world that will get us through, and doing this and not doing that, to win the prize of heaven, the beating heart of the book of Genesis, and the Bible as a whole is that Jesus and the Christianity are truth. They contain the truth about who God is, the truth about what God has done and what he is doing, the truth about humanity, the truth about the new heaven and earth that lies ahead. The luminous truth of the Bible delivers us from ignorance, superstition, confusion, wishful thinking, all lies. Brothers and sisters, when someone asks you about your religion, you most likely will tell them that you are an Orthodox Christian. And that is a good answer. But in this gospel, who heard today, Jesus challenges us to adopt an ever more specific identity. He tells us that we are the light of the world. Being a Christian is a lot more than attending church on Sunday services. Definitely, this is a part of what it means to be a Christian. But during the rest of the week, we have another challenge that is also important to be a light to the world to share the light of Christ with all people. Jesus encourages us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. The Christian life is not just about being good and doing good works. It's about being the light of Christ in the world. For he is the light, and from his light we can see light. The good work is about being the light of Christ in the world. The good works shouldn't be end to ourselves, or a means to bring credit to ourselves. The good works should give glory to God and serve us a witness to him. This is the perfect ideal. Brothers and sisters, based on what we mentioned above, we do a lot with lights in our church. 
There have candles on the altar. And in front of icons, we turn on the lights at the beginning of the prayer services. And we chant, Come, receive the light, which is the high point of the Pascha service. When the light of our Lord's resurrection shines in the darkness and spreads from the priest's candle to everyone in the church. So, we should not be surprised that Christ told us that we are the light of the world. We should be happy and proud because the good news of our faith is that Christ has brought the light of heaven to the darkness of our world. Truly, he is the light, the only begotten Son of God, who becomes fully human while remaining fully divine. That is how he brings us into his light, how he makes it possible for us to shine with his holy glory even as we live and breathe upon the earth, shining so brightly with good works that all will give glory to God. Let everything that has a breath praise the Lord. Sunday Expistillarium We pray to God and ask to give us wisdom and faith to learn how to grow in relationship with Him by coming to the church, receiving the Holy Communion with the proper preparation, praying, fasting, and practice the confession from time to time, giving to the needy and supporting our church, forgiving and ask forgiveness from others, fighting our passions. Do all of this with faith and love, and you will grow in Christ and be a light and a blessing to the world, so that others will glorify God and be drawn to the new life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For he is truly the light that shines in the darkness. Amen. Thank you, Father Ephraim, for that enlightening lesson. And now, a reading from the Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment. God, who before all ages set the bounds of each man's life in the manner which he wills, leads every man, whether righteous or unrighteous, towards the final end he deserves. St. Maximus the Confessor The saints in heaven hold inner converse together, communicating mystically through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is said that in the life to come, the angels and the saints ever increase in gifts of grace that never abate their longing for further blessings. No lapse or veering from virtue to vice takes place in that life. St. Gregory of Sinai The wisdom of God is revealed in his becoming by nature a true man. His justice is shown by his assumption, at his nativity, of a possible nature identical to our own. His might is shown by his creation, through his suffering and death, 
of a life that is by nature eternal and of a state of dispassion that is immutable. Saint Maximus the Confessor On this Sunday we commemorate the 630 holy and God-bearing Fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council, which convened in Chaldeon in 451 against the Monophysites. Shunning opposite errors like the sea monsters Celia and Charybdis, the Fathers steer the Church on a straight course to safety. The Holy Fathers were once again concerned with the nature of Jesus Christ. The false teaching arose that Christ's human nature, considered by heretics as less perfect, dissolved itself in his divine nature, considered by heretics as more perfect, like a cube of sugar in a parcel of water. Thus, in that scenario, Christ had only one nature, the divine. These false preachers were called monophysites, mono meaning one and physis meaning nature, and they were led by Eutyches and Dioscorus. Monophysitism overemphasized the divine nature of Christ at the expense of the human. The Fourth Economical Council condemned Monophysitism and proclaimed that Christ has two complete natures, the divine and the human, as defined by previous councils. These two natures function as equally perfect without confusion and are neither divided nor separate. The Fathers declared that at no time did they undergo any change. By the intercession of thy saints, O Christ God, have mercy upon us. Amen. talk, Media and Discernment, is presented by Father Bassam Nassif. Father Bassam holds a PhD in Theology and a doctorate in Pastoral Care and Counselling. He teaches Pastoral Care at the St. John of Damascus Institute of Theology, University of Balamand. Thank you for joining us, Father. Hello, everyone, and this is Father Bassam Nassif. And in this podcast, I'll be speaking about the importance of the use of discernment while surfing the net. Let's start by a story. In the famous novel and movie Lord of the Flies by William Golding, a group of British young boys are stuck on a deserted island. They try to govern themselves and survive. One of the boys called Piggy wears eyeglasses. Golding's plot related Piggy's classes with his ability to see, to discern right from wrong. Piggy's classes are so essential for the life of the boys, 
as they are the means by which they could start a fire, provide light, warmth, and cooked food. The fire would lead to salvation since rescue airplanes flying above would see it. Also, Piggy's glasses represent spiritual wisdom, moral insight, and objective truth. Without them, the boys would not survive. Thus, the event of the breaking of the eyeglasses in this story leads to disorientation, to the blindness of the boys. Their state of total darkness is reflected in their animalistic behavior, culminating in Piggy's murder. As in this novel and famous movie, most of our young men and women today are almost left alone to raise themselves. Their parents aren't able to be there for them because love for them means working long hours to make ends meet. Finding their way in this postmodern world often means for our youth finding their way with the help of diverse media technologies, search engines, web profiles, electronic program guides. The light emanating from their mobile screens has often become the earthly lantern that guides their eyes, telling them where they are and where to go, sort of GPS. The abundance of the media's information compounded with malicious techniques of persuasion leads to their disorientation and confusion. How can our youth develop eyeglasses of spiritual discernment? Let us quickly define the word discernment in orthodoxy. Discernment involves knowing what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect, as St. Paul defines it in Romans 12. It is filtering all thoughts, scenes, words, and actions, and putting aside everything that is base and not pleasing to God. In the Philokalia, St. Maximus the Confessor clarifies the mechanism of discernment. For him, discernment is not just limited to ethics or to an act of virtue of the conscience. It is an attribute of the image of God in man and woman. So this attribute is exercised in human freedom, and this freedom is handled in the spirit of God. How do we make this attribute, this discernment effective while using the media? For the Orthodox Christian, spiritual labor or ascesis is essential for acquiring a right discerning vision. Ascesis is first nurtured by parents in the upbringing of their children by living inside the home as a domestic church. Parents ought to help their children to interiorize Christ. If Christ captures our vision, then he becomes the source and sustainer of our thoughts and decision-making process. What obstructs the process of interiorization of Christ is, according to St. Isaac the Syrian, our passions. Passions are the fog that obstructs our one sight while walking. One wrong step, one wrong click, and we plummet into a deep hole of harsh temptations. That's why internal purity is fundamental. Discernment blossoms in those who are pure in heart, wherein the divine grace rests. The illumined eye of the heart, as Saint Ephraim of the Syrian calls it, 
leads to an illumined mind that discerns the treasure that is of God from the treasure of this world. So ascesis is developed through the following spiritual practices. First, we have prayer, of course. Prayer leads to experiencing God's presence, especially the Jesus prayer. We have also knowing the truth. Bombarded by horrible messages about life's purpose and existence, we don't need the media to transform our mind. If one goes on Facebook and writes a comment against gender-related marital issues, then much hate mail is sent because, as they say, truth is relative. There is no absolute truth in the postmodern mindset. That's why we need to learn our dogmas, our Orthodox Church teaching very well. Another important spiritual practice is watchfulness. That is the need to be alert, to be vigilant and attentive. For example, limiting the popular sensual stimulation of the media is a key to gaining victory over evil impulses. In our present age, the highly advanced technology amplifies the senses to extreme levels. We need to be temperate as well. Some effective means to address this have been technology fasts and no tech Sundays to help regain appropriate perspective and to help regain self-control and restraint. How does the web surfer need to know how to react to factors affecting one's discernment abilities? For example, everyone is putting a selfie on Facebook. This is a newly developed factor. Is it right to put a selfie on Facebook? How do we assess this factor? In general, what are the external social factors that the web surfers need to address or to watch for in order to acquire discerning eyes? First, we can talk about modeling. The media presents countless models of living styles and ideas. Here we need the church to present to us her rich tradition of her saints, the true, mo true, true role models for us. St. Mary of Egypt is a model of repentance from a sinful life to a saintly journey. We have also peer pressure and conformity. The youth have the need to be in a community life, to be accepted by the group. In living parish community spirit is an important way to overcome this, to overcome peer pressure and conformity. We also have the influence of authority figures, the obedience of individuals to authority figures in social education and scientific worlds depends on one's level of experience and vigilance. We cannot be obedient in a blind way. We have also habituation. It's a gradual building of tolerance and acceptance of unchristian scenes, unethical scenes, and immoral behaviors. For example, nudity in the fashion industry. It is more tolerated and more accepted by society. Also in the media, we face anonymous people, people who say that they are our friends, but they're not like friends as neighbors. They're anonymous people. They're unknown to us. They don't present themselves in truthful way. And this may lead to promoting immoral 
and dishonest behavior. In conclusion, the media has become today the source of our knowledge on life, faith, history, society, and culture. In our web surfing, however, we face the challenge of sheer abundance of possible paths and a multiplication of perspectives and truth. We enter into a foggy world. We need to acquire right vision in order to not to lose life as in the Lord of the Flies. Thus, there is a need to wear spiritual eyeglasses. There is a need to acquire discernment. And guided by the Spirit of God, we are enlightened to discern the way and follow Christ. Thank you again for listening. A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Goodbye for now.